0: Amazon bestselling author, Troy L. Love.
1: I'm sitting on the living room couch with my brother. It's around Christmas time and my parents have called us together for a meeting. I can tell from the tone of their voice that this is not going to be a good meeting. They proceed to tell me that they are getting divorced. This isn't the first time that my parents have told me that they're getting divorced. One of my earliest memories is sitting on a red vinyl bench at a Chinese food restaurant, sitting across from my mother and father when I'm about four or five years old, and they're telling me that they are getting divorced, and they ask me who I want to live with. They didn't get divorced. In the sixth grade, my parents have a family meeting, and they share with us that they are going to get divorced. And then they didn't get divorced. In the ninth grade, my parents call us together to have a family meeting and they share with us that they're going to get divorced. And then they didn't get divorced. And so now here we are, It's I'm a senior in high school, and my parents have called us together again and have told us that they're going to get divorced. And this time I know that they're serious because of some of the things that have happened in our family. I I know that this is happening and I have two thoughts. The first thought is, well, finally, my parents are going to get divorced. They're not gonna fight anymore. I don't have to watch the fighting happen anymore. So there was a sense of relief on one hand. And on the other hand, there was a lot of sadness because I knew that life was going to change. After the winter break, I went back to school, and I was in a creative writing class with Mrs. Ruskowski. Now, for whatever reason, I had decided that I was going to write fractured fairy tales, and that was the only genre that I was going to write, and all the patience of Mrs. Ruskowski for having to read those ridiculous stories. But in my mind, I really thought that I was going to be able to write an amazing book based on fractured fairy tales. Looking back at it now, I realized that I probably was just trying to live in a fantasy world, and I didn't want to really face the reality of what was going on in my life, and so that's why I was doing the fractured fairy tales, but Mrs. Ruskowski challenged me to stop writing fractured fairy tales and try another genre. I was sad. I was going through the challenges of this divorce and the proceedings that were taking place with that. I wanted her to feel sorry for me. I I wanted her to let me continue to write the Fractured Fairy Tales because it was easier for me. So I shared with her that my parents were going through a divorce and her reaction was, well, Troy, that sounds really hard and I'm, I'm sad that that's going on in your life. I believe in you. I believe that you have greater creative talents and abilities that you're not tapping into. And I encourage you to write something other than fractured fairy tales. Well, that wasn't really the reaction that I was hoping to get from her, but looking back, I am so grateful that that was the reaction that she gave. She didn't hold space for me to be able to process my emotions. I don't think that was her role. She acknowledged that it was painful, which I appreciate, and then she encouraged me to keep moving forward, to tap into the talents and abilities, and find other ways of using my creative writing skills in a new and challenging way. I look back at that time, and I am so grateful for her. In today's podcast, we are going to be talking about ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, And I'm interviewing my colleague and fellow social worker, Brianna Safston, who is a therapist who works in my office at Yuma Counseling Services. We're going to talk about adverse childhood experiences, and we're also going to talk about resiliency. Just as a heads up about the interview with Brianna. She does go over the questionnaire of ACES. There's nothing explicit about it, but it can be triggering. It can bring up memories that have happened to you. So I encourage you to do self-care. And if you are triggered, turn the podcast off and and do some co- use some of your coping skills to be able to work through that before you listen again. There are a lot of things that can help us develop greater resiliency in working through the adverse childhood experiences, But I wanted to take a moment and spend some time with my good friend and colleague, Brianna Safston, who is a fellow social worker, and get a better understanding of what ACEs are and what they mean. So hello, Brianna. Hello. Tell us a little bit about you.
2: Well, um, I have been in the social work field since 2015 when I graduated with my bachelors of social work from weaver state university in ogden utah
1: that's my alma mater
2: too <laughs> yay. yay go weaver go Weber. and then right after that i went on to get my master's degree in social work um, from our lady of the lake university based in san antonio texas and graduated in 2017 and since then i've been in practice in the mental health field
1: I'm really excited that you're here, welcome to be here. Tell us a little bit about ACEs. How did you become familiar with them? What are they?
2: I actually became familiar with ACEs after I graduated with my master's degree. My program was focused on direct practice with Hispanic children and families. So it was focused on a lot of uh, family practice. We didn't touch a lot on trauma. So it was something I was introduced to, I believe during my internship when I was getting my master's degree, my supervisor wanted to focus on trauma-informed care. So that's what really introduced me to ACEs. ACEs, like you mentioned, stand for Adverse Childhood Experiences. That's based off of a study that I believe was done in the mid-90s in Southern California. It was a very significant study. It had over 17,000 participants. And what they learned through these questionnaires of their patients was that those who had experienced a adverse childhood uh, trauma or event before they were 18 were at greater risk for health problems later in life.
1: What kind of health problems?
2: Anything from mental health problems, so being diagnosed with depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, suicidal thoughts, substance use, addiction, to medical issues like chronic pain, chronic health problems, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, cancer, all sorts of things.
1: It's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. So what kind of questions are on the questionnaire?
2: So I have the questionnaire here. It's a pretty simple one. It's um, 10 questions, and for every yes that you answer, that's one point. And so you you can have a total of 10 points. So I'm just gonna go through and read these questions. So the first question, number one asks, did a parent or other adult in the household often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? If you answer yes to that, that's one point. The second question is, Did a parent or other adult in the household often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you, or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? The third question asks, did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or fondle you, or have you touched their body in a sexual way? or tried to actually have oral, anal, or vaginal sex with you? The fourth question asks, did you often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special, or your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? Number five, did you often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, or had no one to protect you, or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it. Number six, were your parents ever separated or divorced? Number seven, was your mother or stepmother often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her, or sometimes or often kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over uh, at least a few minutes or threatened with a gun or knife. If you answered yes to any of those, that's a one. Number eight, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or or who used street drugs? Number nine, was a household member depressed or mentally ill, or did a household member attempt suicide? And then the last one, number 10, did a household member go to prison? So if you answered um, a yes to any of those, you would total your score out of 10. And the closer you are to that total of 10, the more at risk you are for health problems later in life.
1: So as I'm thinking about my life, I can say I have that one and I have that one and I have that one. I guess my question is, if we have these adverse childhood experiences, and you're saying that it increases our risk of depression, anxiety, health problems, it feels almost like I'm doomed. Mm-hmm. I, it feels like, okay, I have I scored a six or I scored a five or whatever. My life is over because I've had these adverse childhood experiences. I'm pretty sure that that's not what the intent of the questionnaire was, but what are your thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, so what I've noticed when I have my clients fill this questionnaire out is a lot of them sometimes feel like they have a lot of validation for what they're later experiencing in life. They have answers to, oh, that's why I maybe have this chronic pain or these chronic migraines or these chronic issues is because I did experience some of these things and I didn't realize how it affected me. And so while it might feel really daunting and there's nothing you can do about it, there's actually a lot you can do. And that's why the study was so significant is because we know that with early intervention or effective treatment, you can find a lot of healing from these experiences.
1: That's really good news. When I wrote the book Finding Peace, I identified the six attachment wounds, loss, neglect, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, and abuse. And it really touches bases on all of those from the ACEs questionnaire. And you and I have talked about how those painful experiences really can cause us to develop some negative core beliefs about ourselves or lead us to behave in ways that maybe are not beneficial for us. But what we're really trying to deal with is cope with the pain. So are there any better ways of coping with the pain besides numbing or sinking into shame or isolation?
2: Yeah. So if we're talking coping skills... One of the most beneficial things I've learned from just in my research with trauma uh, therapies is using your bodies. So I actually just got done reading a book by Peter Levine called Waking the Tiger. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how recovery from trauma starts at a physiological level. So just connecting with your body through deep breathing, relaxation skills, yoga, anything that's going to help you become more in touch with yourself.
1: So how do you, so let's say I'm a brand new client. I don't know anything about that. How would you guide me through connecting with my body?
2: One of my favorite ways is just a a simple mindfulness exercise. So I tell my clients as you're sitting there on the couch, don't change your position, just stay as you are and I want you to focus your attention on your feet. Just notice what it feels like to have your feet in your shoes. Are there any certain points of pressure that you notice? Notice temperature, notice any sensations that might come up for you, notice what it feels like to have your toes in your shoes are they squished together are they comfortable just kind of walk them through Mm. what it feels like to have their feet in their shoes which is really simple and i think some people find it kind of silly but it's just a good simple exercise to show let's just bring our attention back to ourselves and and back to our bodies
1: what's the benefit of doing that
2: it helps to create a better connection between between your mind and your body so we know with, with trauma or with these ACEs, a lot of times we lose that connection with ourselves, with our bodies.
1: Mm. You're you're talking about grounding. You're talking about the self-regulation, which I was just looking up. That's one of the aspects of resiliency, mm. being able to ground ourselves, be able to just notice, oh, I, I'm being triggered. Let me do some deep breaths. Let me figure out what I can do to to get myself grounded again. And people who have mastered that skill or are really good at it, that increases their resiliency to the adverse childhood experiences. What are your thoughts about resiliency and are there any other ways that we can improve our resiliency besides breathing and mindfulness?
2: Yeah, definitely. In fact, I have a resilience questionnaire here. I'm just gonna read through them. Sure. So the first question asks, I believe that my mother loved me when I was little. You would circle definitely true, probably true, not sure, probably not true, definitely not true. And that's the same um, options for each of these questions. Okay. So the second one asks, I believe that my father loved me when I was little. The third one, when I was little, other people helped my mother and father take care of me and they seem to love me. Number four, I've learned that when I was an infant, someone in my family enjoyed playing with me, and I enjoyed it too. Mm -hmm. Number five, when I was a child, there were relatives in my family who made me feel better if I was sad or worried. Number six, when I was a child, neighbors or my friend's parents seemed to like me. Seven, when I was a child, teachers, coaches, youth leaders, or ministers were there to help me. Someone in Number eight, someone in my family cared about how I was doing in school. Number nine, my family, neighbors, and friends talked often about making our lives better. Number 10, we had rules in our house and were expected to keep them. 11, when I felt really, really bad, I could almost always find someone I trusted to talk to. Number 12, as a youth, people noticed that I was capable and could get things done. Thirteen, I was independent and a go-getter. Fourteen, I believed that life is what you make it. So I like those because it asks you to consider other aspects of your life. Who was there in your life that you can turn to for safety and support and comfort?
1: Yeah, as you were reading those, I was going over my life. I've, I've had a lot of adverse childhood experiences that have happened in my life. I have a lot of those attachment wounds we've talked about. But as you were reading the questionnaire, I also recognized that I had a lot of positive people. I, I did know that my mom and dad loved me. I recognized that my grandma in particular just adored me and spent a lot of time with me. I had teachers and peers that were there for me. So it, just reading through that brought me a sense of, oh yeah, there were people that were there. I wasn't entirely alone through this in this process of pain there were a lot of love and connection uh, do your clients find that answering these questions are helpful for them
2: yeah definitely and you know some of them might say you know when i was little i i did have those things but in my life now i i feel kind of alone and i don't have a lot of people mm. so that's when i because you know as we know from attachment theory and these attachment wounds we're wired for that connection and belonging and to have meaningful relationships so sometimes it's about finding those people in your life today that you can reach out to for support and community and connection which can be really challenging you might have to challenge yourself to to kind of make those friends and put yourself out there but that's another resilience factor
1: well i think that it's hard especially if i if i've had one of these attachment wounds or one of these adverse childhood experiences i think of the wound of rejection for example i am maybe afraid to be vulnerable and put myself out there because i'm afraid if i try to reach out you're going to reject me and then it's just going to be worse so i'll just i'll just hold myself in i'm not going to reach out to anybody i'm just going to pretend that it doesn't really bother me and just be lonely and at least for me when i when i've work with clients who do that they really are they feel those symptoms of depression and anxiety they they're struggling with that loneliness and those wounds just actually get worse that we're not doing any wound care with that so as I'm hearing you read these questionnaire connection seems to be a really important part of resiliency
2: yeah definitely
1: how do you build connection whatever if I were a client and I were saying, Brianna, I, I just don't know where I could reach out. Where, where could I go to find some connection? Where would you steer your clients? Where would you recommend that we go to build some connection?
2: You know, I think it depends on the individual. I've had some clients who are, they really enjoy art. For example, this just in the last couple of weeks, I had someone say that they wanted to make friends. They didn't know how to make friends. But they also enjoyed art. That was one of their biggest hobbies. So we looked for places in the community where they could go maybe take their art projects to and meet other people who have similar right. hobbies. Um, I've had other clients say, I really want to find a church to go to, but I'm really scared because of rejection and I don't want to go alone. So we brainstorm ways to have an acquaintance or a friend or neighbor, go with them, or just work through those challenging thoughts and beliefs that they have about themselves, it's keeping them from reaching out to other people or attending that church or going to the art community center.
1: So I am um, I guess I'm not doomed if I have a really high ACEs score.
2: No, not doomed.
1: So we've, we've learned that we're not doomed if we've had adverse childhood experiences. We've learned that we can develop resiliency Where are some places where people can go to learn more about healing from adverse childhood experiences or building resiliency to the attachment ones we've talked about?
2: There are a lot of places. If someone was just interested to learn more about ACEs, just doing a simple Google search about ACEs is going to bring up so much information. I know that there's additional research that's being done and has been done about ACEs. I think that The Finding Peace Workbook is an excellent resource because it goes through those attachment wounds. Like you mentioned, it, it, it does involve a lot of these experiences mentioned in ACEs. So if anyone finds that they have a high ACE score or even just one ACE score and they would like to work through that, the Finding Peace Workbook is excellent. I know that you have a retreat coming up, excellent resource.
1: Where can people learn more about you?
2: They can learn more about me uh, through yumacounseling.com. If they're interested in seeing me for counseling, they can call and schedule an appointment. I think that's that's mostly it. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I'm grateful for your time and helping us understand a little bit more about ISIS. Thank you. Of
2: course. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this interview and this podcast today with Brianna. The thing that really stands out for me as I listened to and and interviewed Brianna was the importance of having connection and a reflect back on Mrs. Ruskowski and the role of support that she was in my life. She didn't show up in a traditional way. She showed up in the way that a teacher would show up. As I reflect upon the teachers that I've had in my life that had the most influence in my life, Mr. Roskowski is one of the top three. I encourage you, as you think about the different adverse childhood experiences that you may have encountered, or if you've experienced any of the six attachment wounds of loss, neglect, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, or abuse, I want you to reflect, were there angels in your life? Were there people in your life who held space in one way or another who helped you continue to put one foot in front of the other and continue to move on? And if you know how to contact them, I'd encourage you to reach out and tell them thank you. I'm not sure where Mrs. Ruskowski is anymore, but if she's listening to this, I want you to know, Mrs. Ruskowski, how much of an influence and a blessing you've been in my life. Thank you for your kindness, your love, And your willingness to continue to believe in a boy who was having a hard time believing in himself. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Finding Peace Podcast. If you loved the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to TroyLLove.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace 5-Day Challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.